This is episode 13 with Ali Day. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on your impactful journey. Day is one of Australia's fittest and best athletes. He competes in the sport of surf Ironman. He's won the Nutrigrain Ironman series and consistently been on the podium for this event and most notably has won the gruesome Coolangatta Gold four times. Now this event is a mixture of surf ski, paddleboarding, swimming and running, totaling a distance of almost 47 kilometres or 29 miles, including the transition runs. It is brutal. Ali exemplifies holistic health and holistic excellence. If I could sum him up in one word, it would be genuine. You know when you spend time with people and you resonate with them at an energetic level that makes you feel superhuman? That's how I felt in the presence of Ali and his beautiful partner, Kel. I've known Ali for over a year, but haven't had this level of conversation with him before, so it was a great learning curve for me to hear him speak from his heart. He's an athletic freak. His sport is really tough and he conquers it mentally and physically. But he almost gave the sport away due to health problems and he takes us into that adversity and what changes he made to help him not only recover but then dominate his sport and not ever suffer those same health problems ever again. Ali Day, welcome to your life of impact. Thanks for having me, mate. It's awesome. Well, thanks for having me, actually. We're sitting here in uh, your beautiful home on the Gold Coast, and we've got your partner, Kel, uh, in close proximity too, and I'm extremely grateful to be in, in both your presence and in your home here, so thank you for having me. At any time, it's um, yeah, it's awesome to have you here, and yeah, me and Kel are, are really excited, and um, I can't wait to get you know start unpacking this story absolutely we've got uh, a few mutual connections and one of those mutual connections is scotty reardon and i think that's thanks to kel actually she she introduced she knew scotty and you met scotty through kel and then i met you through <laughs> scotty reardon and it was yeah. a bit of a whirlwind connection through that yeah that's it um kel actually is a really good friend of yeah, Scotty's from when they were in primary school or even younger maybe. Um, their families used to go away together on trips. And yeah, when I met Kel, Kel told me about Scotty and uh, yeah, we're really good mates now. And obviously that day when we caught up at, at, at that cafe at Brio at Broad Beach, um, meeting Scotty there and then meeting you, it just, it's the way the world works these days. And as I said before we got on air, mate, it's kind of almost meant to be that we're sitting here today chatting about it. Yeah, absolutely. I remember Scotty said to me, Robbo, you got to meet Ali Day. Like you guys will just, you'll connect, you'll <laughs> click. And you, I, you don't drink coffee or you didn't drink coffee back then. Scotty doesn't drink coffee. And he said, so we're going to meet at a bone broth cafe. And I said, this is brilliant. I yeah. love bone broth. Yeah. Bring it on. I didn't even know there was one on the Gold Coast. So that was last year when we were preparing for Rio. And so we met at, I think it was at Brio Emporium. Yeah, that, that's it. That yeah, cafe. Brio Emporium. Yeah, yeah. Great little cafe there with the bone broth. And they do, I believe they do bulletproof coffees too. And I, I love my bulletproof coffees. And I've only found a couple of places on the Gold Coast that do them. Mate, we'll have to take you back there. Yeah, they're, they're huge supporters of mine. And um, yeah, even like going back and watching Scotty win like at the Olympics. Um, yeah, you know, me and Kel were pretty emotional about it. Just seeing someone, especially I guess I was emotional for Kel just because she was such good friends with Scotty. And then I became good friends with him. And you almost felt like you're a part, not a part of it, but you were just really you could you knew how much he gave to to win that race and how much it takes so um but onto the onto the brio yeah i love that place and it's a good plug for them as well mate they're so good (laughs) to me they're amazing people and it's something that i you know really really believe in um you know getting that into my body every day 
which we'll dive into deeply and mm. some other mutual connections of ours that want to thank you for introducing them to uh, the, the cafe as well is Nam Baldwin and his partner Devo. So they said that you introduced them to Brio Emporium too and they, I was with them last night and had dinner and they said, oh, tell Ali, we said, and Kel, that thanks for introducing us to Brio <laughs> Emporium Cafe. They love it there for the Bulletproof Coffee and the, and the bone broth. Oh, man, I've done a couple of sessions with Nam last year when I was preparing for the Cooling Out of Gold and... Um, yeah, he's just a, a really good person, got a great heart and um, so does Devo as well. So, yeah, I guess that's that whole relationship like with Brio. Like, um, you know, me and Kel are very interested in like our bodies and, and, and health. And I guess when I think it was probably it would have been a couple of years ago, we just started going in there and drinking the broth and um, – me being me, I, I like to know a lot about the person that's behind it. And I got chatting to Mark, the owner, and his partner, Atlanta. And, um, yeah, from then on, I just started going in there every day and we became really good friends. And, yeah, as I said, the more I can spread their, you know, their their love and their good products out there to, you know, to everyone because I know how amazing it is, the better. Brilliant. Mm. And uh, speaking of spreading the love, and you felt like you were a part of Scotty Reardon's journey when he did win in um, Rio at the Paralympics. And there's another part of how we're connected too because you supported Scotty and uh, his Life Tees campaign and just wanted to say thank you in person for that too because I haven't oh, actually anytime. seen you since then. Anytime, mate. You donned uh, one of Scotty's Grateful Tees. Yeah, and I think Kel him. got the picture in it for me. So yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was so awesome. It's <laughs> really, it's, it's great because I say this to people that it's like a gratitude sort of whirlwind with that Life Tees campaign because Scotty here, you know, he almost lost his life when he lost his leg and he chose the charity uh, Snowy Hydro Southcare mm. that he wants to donate all the profits to from this shirt. So Scotty's grateful that he can give back to the organisation that saved his life. The organisation is grateful that the platform exists and, and Scotty and we at Life Tees are a part of that. And I sit there as the Life Tees platform and think, well, I'm extremely grateful that everyone's so grateful. Yeah, 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 <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. this gratitude well with yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So thank you guys for supporting that and Scotty on his mission. Oh, anytime, mate, anytime. Now, uh, a couple of other just quickly mutual connections. One that we were just speaking about before uh, we started recording was uh, Lululemon. So mm. you're an ambassador for Lululemon and I look down, I've just come from coaching with the athletes <laughs> and I'm decked out in all my Lululemon gear. So tell us a little bit about Lulu. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good story. Um, I just got contacted by a mate, Connor, in Sydney and he invited me and Kel down to speak in an event down there and I knew a little bit about Lulu previously but not a great deal. I think I said to you the other day on the phone actually, I was down here competing and uh, it was quite hot and I only had tracksuit pants, I had no shorts to wear to the beach and Kel went out to Rabina and bought me a pair of Lulu pants and I was like, what are these? These are, these are you know, amazing. Um, but yeah, back back to Sydney, I went down there and spoke and then came back to the Gold Coast, got in contact with the store manager up here um, and then from there, it just, it moved really, really well. I became an ambassador with them probably about, oh, it'd be about eight or nine months ago now, so almost coming up on the year and, mate, they've been amazing. Um, I they, they really found me and then I guess when I was put on as an ambassador, I was like, far out, how didn't I know about this? A long time ago and what they were about so from then I've, I've been really lucky to do you know speak at a couple of events they flew me to thailand last year to their national ambassador summit where i was lucky enough to meet a lot of the other ambassadors who are who've, who've got some amazing stories as well and um they're just fantastic people and i'm really privileged and really lucky to be just a part of their organization yeah, they're brilliant. We spoke about it off air, the three of us, you, Kel and I, and how amazing they are at being connected with their mm. community. And they're all about community. They're all about personal development. Mm. And there's probably a lot of people listening that actually haven't heard of Lululemon because they don't advertise. And that's mm. part of what I love about them yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're an amazing and a huge brand, but they don't advertise. Yeah, they find you, I reckon. Exactly. Before you find them and you'll see it. And as I said, uh, you know, with my story, um, yeah, it's a really great story and, they, they come up, they teach yoga once a week at our surf club for our, you know, for, for all the guys there and all the mums and dads and kids. And um, I remember the first session I, we did there, it was just, yeah, it was just a really good feeling. And um, you mentioned community. They're all about that and, and that whole gratitude thing. They give, they give us that. It makes 
all the guys in the club better people and better humans and they then drive home and want to pass it on to to other people so it's it, it really is a win-win situation for everyone for sure i can see how they resonate so closely with mm. you and your values one other uh, mutual connection we have is the sydney swans <laughs> so i've been working at the Swannies. i'll get my jerseys out mate so i've been working at the swans for the last four seasons as a therapist and you came out or sorry down to sydney this year and in the preseason and did a bit of work with them tell us a little bit about that and what was your biggest learning curve from training with the sydney swans oh yeah it was just an amazing experience something that um i never thought i'd ever get the chance to do just because yeah they're just to me like the sydney swans are still so far away like a lot of those guys are my heroes but they're still there some of them are a lot younger than me some are a little bit older than me and some of them are the, the same age so it was almost quite it's quite funny going down there and being like, wow, like pretty starstruck to see some of the guys in the organization. I guess um, in terms of what I learned down there, it was to just to almost be confident as you as in a person sort of thing. Like that that kind of didn't really make sense, but like be confident in, in who you are as a person when you're around those sorts of guys. Try not to be someone that, you know, you think almost like you think you are sort of thing so like being around those guys almost felt like I had to be someone you know amazing and someone really cool and someone that had this and that but um yeah as I said when I got down there I was made to feel really really comfortable in the in the environment the Swans gave me and I was just able to just be myself um so stepping over that hurdle was probably the hardest thing to start with um and then I, I just loved the way they went about their business. I loved how they communicated with each other every day on the, on the track. Um, it's something I've never been able to witness before because obviously being an Ironman, you're, you're one out all the time. You have that connection with your coach and, and every now and then throughout the season, particularly at the Australian titles, you've been in a few team events with guys. But yeah, as I said, when I went down there, it was just really good to see those guys jumping in and... Um, you know standing up for one another or standing up for what they they sort of believe in and and that really helped me come back to my club at service paradise and and give it gave me confidence to be able to stand up when i knew something wasn't right or um someone needed a hand so as i said the experience down there with the swannies was awesome and um yeah hopefully they can get a few more wins under their belt this year and and maybe sneak into that eight Maybe you wore them out because the start of the season for us wasn't real good, but now they're actually, uh, you know, they're paying the the benefits of your training early on in the preseason. But you sort of alluded to it. There's a big difference between you coming from an individual sport, Mm. stepping into an environment of a team sport. So I can understand how your mindset would have sort of Mm. taken a bit of adjustment where you think, well, how do I actually fit into this environment? Like Mm. where do my skill sets and my mannerisms Mm. and my mindset and my strength and everything like that. So that's a really powerful learning curve to take from that being around those guys. Oh, 100%. It was, as I said, it was quite daunting going down there and meeting some of your heroes and and not knowing how to sort of act or respond around them. But as I said, I I think I could go in there today and, um, you know, feel really, really at ease around them. And I just, as I said, I really love the way the Swans have always been with their leadership um, in the community with their younger players. And I, I just really love their attitude. Like the never say die bloods attitude has always resonated really, really well with me. And, um, you know, they're just, you know, the win on the weekend against Richmond was just, it just goes to show no matter who they've got out in the paddock at any time, um, they're always going to give their best and they're never going to, you know, you know, never say die, I guess. So it's kind of the attitude I like to use in, you know, in my, in my Ironman racing. And um, I guess with the Swans, like their best game is still so close to their worst game. There's, they're never, there's, there's never like, they're never, there's never like a, a huge flogging or anything like that. They're always out there on their feet having a go and, as I said, that's something that I sort of really believe in and it really resonates with me, their culture. And um, it's something that we're trying really hard at Surface Paradise to be be like at the moment. So you mentioned attitude there and I mentioned uh, mindset. And I want to dive into your mindset. I'm really intrigued by that. But mm. before we do, can you just explain, because a lot of our listeners wouldn't actually know much 
about the enormity of your sport. Can you just explain to us a little bit about the length of the disciplines that mm. are involved in your sport and what that sort of entails? Yeah, so pretty much in my sport of Ironman racing, you start in as a nipper or you can start a little bit later as a cadet at a surf club and you learn to paddle a board, learn to paddle a ski, you swim in the ocean and then you use a run as almost a transition to link those three legs together. So the race I'm training for at the moment, the cooling out of gold, um, the ski legs 23Ks, your board paddle for about five, you run for about 10 or 12 and you swim for about three and a half Ks. So that's not your normal distance of Ironman racing. Your normal traditional uh, like Ironman race is about 12 to 15 minutes and they're broken up between almost like a three to 400 meter swim maybe a 500 meter board and maybe a 600 meter ski leg and as i said you link that through um with a run transition to go on to the next bit of craft or the next leg sort of thing so um so the cool and get a gold is almost like the marathon version of your uh, exactly standard yeah so that's always at the start of the year always in october and then in the summer when that comes around we we race in what's, you know, the, the Kellogg's Ironman series and that's normally made up of, you know, six different races and, yeah, as I said, there'll be a couple of those shorter ones, as I said, and then they'll obviously throw up a few other different formats that, um, you know, are quite challenging. But I guess the the main focus is you've, you've got to be 90% good at, at all those legs. You've got to be fit. Um, you've got to be, you know, you've got to be really good in the ocean. Uh, you've got to be able to read what the ocean's doing before you go out there and, and respond to it. So I guess that's that's the, the challenge and that's the love I have for it. Like That's what keeps bringing me back because um, I don't think I've raced that perfect Ironman race just yet and, and that's what I'm striving to do. Awesome. It's still within you. What does, just briefly, what how many k's would you cover in a week or do you measure it on hours how many hours of training would you yeah at at this point in time mate so this is my fifth week back into pre-season i normally do a 20-week block leading into the cooling out of gold so obviously at that time and and with the race being a marathon event you've got to really clock up the hours so a day-to-day basis might look around maybe like four four and a half hours that's just the physical you know like this morning i was in the pool for a couple of hours and then this afternoon i'll get out on the board and i'll run as well so um today's a bit of a lighter day but sometimes as i said you can have those heavy days you might do five hours you might do three hours here so i'm not sure what that totals up to but um that's mainly in the winter leading into the cooling out of gold but in the summer it's a lot shorter you don't have to do the miles you've you've done those in the winter so it drops back a lot and um obviously the weather's a lot more not that it's cold here on the gold coast mate but it's a really good time here in the summer um you don't have to do as much work and you get yeah i guess you're going in and out of the break a lot more so that that gives us a bit of a background so for everyone listening now they sort of understand the demands physically from your sport so let's dive into your mindset now it is brutally demanding for you physically and that to me means it's even more brutally demanding mentally now one thing i'm truly intrigued with uh is athletes mindsets and also how in tune they are with their own mindsets and i've done a lot of work around mental preparation with uh in a few different spaces what i've found really powerful working with all caliber of humans not just athletes but also people outside of sport is teaching them the difference between having a mindset and developing your mindset and i learned a bit of this wisdom from uh, the world renowned sports performance psychologist uh, michael gervais and also from experiences in life and working with a lot of other athletes they sort of piece everything together essentially our mindsets project the way that we want to be in the future and the way we want to experience upcoming circumstances in our life. And our mindsets are a filter for how we perceive the world. In life, particularly in sport with athletes like yourself, but also definitely with humans that aren't striving to be the best athletes in the world or the best athletes in their sport, everything that we strive towards. So we have to create the mindset that will help us in the moment be the best version of ourselves and create that energetic state to perform the required task at hand to the best of our ability and we have the power to create the mindsets required and we can practice 
these mindsets in our daily lives. So I guess, Ali, my question to you is how does this practice look for you on a daily basis? Is there things that you do on a daily basis to help you create that mindset? And then also when you're stepping onto the um, sporting arena, whether it be the Cool and Gatter Gold or one of your um, Kellogg's events throughout the summer series, how have you developed your mindset? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I think the the mindset is what I'm realizing now is so much more important than the physical you know the physical side of what I do and I think what everyone does it just comes back to how not how mentally strong you are but how you can almost flick the switch when that needs to go on and you can almost sometimes catch your thoughts like what you're thinking and um, how you're feeling and, and and I've worked on that a lot over the last couple of years but to go back to the start like in developing that mindset I think I've always been really lucky with having a really good attitude and I was really committed and and that really helped with my mindset I also think that having the coaches I had around me as a young age um, because I wasn't the most talented in my sport um, and there was some tough times with me thinking of giving it up and and I guess just going into another sport or just uh, going to uni or becoming a builder which I wanted to do when I was a kid um but yeah, throughout that age, I had some really, really, co- really, really good coaches, and and they taught me that that work ethic and and being tough and being hard, and um, I've got a lot to thank them for because they really instilled um, that mindset of that that belief in me, and I still have that today. Um, if you were to come watch me train, not to sound cocky or anything like that, but I'll always give my best. I'm always there on time, always doing the right thing, and. It's almost being a perfectionist at the end of the day. Like uh, sometimes I won't sleep at night because I haven't trained well that afternoon or it will get on my nerves and I want to pick it apart and know how I can do it better the next time. And as I said, I was really lucky with those those coaches and the guys around me being on the south coast. It was cold. There wasn't the resources like you have here on the Gold well, that I have here on the Gold Coast now. Um and it sounds funny, but I watched a lot of. My dad brought me up on a lot of movies like Rocky and Rambo. I was going to say, was it like Rocky? That. Yeah. And um, it's a bit corny. I know it's not a true story or anything like that, but even with like you know school cross countries or school swimming carnivals and things like that, I'd you know watch Rocky Four and and you know just go out and just want to train so hard. But in the same light, I, I wasn't that talented either. So the older I got. Uh, I really feel as though I started drawing on that attitude and that mental toughness that I had and it just started getting better and better. So I guess that brought me to the point when I was in my mid-20s and I started to learn that how to turn it on and off, I guess. Um, and how did you learn it? Did you Do you have mindset coaches? Have you done work with specific yeah, people around yeah, the space? Yeah, I, I guess... Yeah, I think it was in 2013, I had a year off, off the Ironman series, I was crooked that year, um, and then in 2014, I came back, and I started working with a sports psychologist on the Sunshine Coast, Lisa, and to be honest, when I first, when Kingy, my coach at the time, told me to go, it might be a good idea to go see one, I was almost a bit like, oh, well, there's nothing wrong with me, like, I'm fine, I can deal with all this, but... It ended up being one of the best decisions ever. Um, we had a really, really good relationship and she was able to just show me and teach me, I guess, almost in words um, how to go in and out of that, that they people call it flicking the switch or getting in the moment and things like that. She was able to like have a couple of key words that we used throughout that, that, throughout that year that almost flicked the switch and turned me on really at the time and we did a lot of breathing work, which was a lot different to how I used to approach races. I used to listen to the headphones, listen to the Rocky soundtrack and pump myself up. But then when it came time to jump on the start line, I was so nervous and was would either be thrown up or I'd almost lock up. You'd know that feeling as an athlete and, and coaching athletes yourself. You see them tense up and, and lock up. So... We introduced a lot of breathing exercises. Um, the morning of the races, I do a lot of breathing and stretching with Kel. Uh, really just, I guess she just taught me to stick to my processes. And 
I think I had a, a couple of words. It might have been like be strong and um, breathe and believe and just I'd have different words for different legs that and, and, and things before the race that really helped me sort of calm me down but also helped me um, give me confidence at the same time. So the, yeah, what you're mentioning there is sort of anchoring methods and the, mm. so you work on those pre whether it's you know, in with a psychologist, whether it's at home with Kel, whether it's just before training. And so you create, like we're saying, with you, you understand what these words mean to you and they're your anchoring mechanism. Mm. So when it's not just like you get out ready to, to perform yeah. at the cool and get a gold and you go, I oh, tell myself to be strong and hopefully I'm strong. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. really tuned that in. With yeah. The work that you've done. Yeah, you've got to train. You've got to train with it um, because you, there's going to be times. I had, a, I had a race last year. Uh, I was down in the Ironman series and it was a three-day event. The first day I won, won the first race, uh, turned up the second day. The surf was quite quite big and it was something that almost spooked me a bit that day and I think I felt a lot of the pressure from winning the first day and all eyes were on me and I guess I put a lot of expectation on myself and, um, yeah, ended up with my worst result that I've ever had. I got a 14th that day and that was, that was the worst result I've had in about four, you know, about eight years as an Ironman and... Um, I was pretty upset, as you can imagine, that day. But, um, excuse me, I was really lucky to have Kel there, my coach Zane, Trevor Hendy, um, my parents and, and things like that. And it was just really nice. I knew what I had to do to, to get out of that situation, like to unpack it and to really sort of see um, what I wanted to do the next day. And I, I came out the next day and just raced free. I felt freer and um, felt really good about myself and ended up coming away with a third. So... It's quite funny in our sport because you can be thrown a lot of different challenges in the surf because of the environment it is. Um, and you've got to be able to adapt really, really quickly. And um, as I said, working with, with Lisa a few years ago, I speak to Kel a lot. She's taught me a lot about it over the years, uh, reading books and, and things like that. And then just I really believe of having that open communication with your coaches about it and what your fears are and how we can overcome them and what we can use and and then I guess it's just putting it into practice in training so that when you get to a race, it's there and you know how to use it. You mentioned before about catching your thoughts and that leading to your feelings. And I know obviously from those wordings that you've done a lot of work around thought dynamics. Explain to us what that means to you because I do a lot of work in this space and I think it's a such an important and awesome thing for people to understand that our thoughts lead to our feelings which leads to our behaviours and our actions and our aura. What does that mean to you? Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, you're right. That's the process. Like I'd be, you know, maybe I'm out paddling this afternoon and I'm not going as good as I think I should be or that expectation and then that then transfers into a really negative mindset and it just it just goes down the ladder almost. It's like, oh, what am I, I'm paddling crap or this and I'm going to blame this person and I'm angry at that person and then, it locks you up, it makes you feel tense, it makes you feel tight. It, and then you come home of a night time and you're just on edge, you're angry. And I just know that um, I've got to catch myself when I'm being like that because it really is, it's just silly. Like, um, And you're right, you, it transfers into your body. Not, I can catch myself doing it on a day-to-day basis and I know that if I'm smiling and being positive, I'm able to train a lot better. I'm a lot more productive. I'm a lot of. I'm a better person throughout the day. And um, as I said, I'm still on a scale of one to a hundred. I'm still pretty low on that scale. I'm still learning it. But I know that if I'm in a better positive mindset and I can catch my, hey Ali, what am I? What are you even thinking about that for? Like if I can catch myself doing that. Um, I just I'm a far better athlete, far better person, and as I said, I'm a, I'm enjoying life a lot more. You mentioned it, like really valid point too, because even those who practice this to the best of their ability, we still people still fall into that, and there will be things in their external environment that create those negative thoughts in their internal environment. But the power is actually, like you said, you you're aware of it. Yeah. And then you can flick that switch of, hang on, this is really unhelpful. It's tightening me up. It's not going to help me perform. I need to think about whether it's your anchoring words, be strong or just get that positivity back into you so you're relaxed and you can get that 
that energy, that aura that you need. That's yeah, 100%. Like you just, you know, sometimes I'll be, I'm training for the cooling out of goal at the moment and I'll see someone driving past or I'll see someone out in the water or I'll, or I'll hear a story about someone training really well and I'll start thinking about it and I get tense and I feel my heart rate increase. I start getting like, you know, quite almost like boiling point sort of thing and I'm like, hold on a minute, I'm giving all my energy to this person and you know I, I go back to my anchoring words um and i just go back to yeah to, to my purpose and and that's to be the best version of myself and and by doing that i can't give these guys energy i can't worry about that i've, I've got to be on my on my track and just put the blinkers on yeah you mentioned purpose there and being the best version of yourself and you find through a lot of people's story that that in a belief and those changes and those steps in life come from a bit of adversity and for you a lot of people will know about this but a lot of people won't is the health problems and the fatigue levels that you had can you give us a bit of a snapshot about this and and also like what your fueling looks like these days but take us back to those changes and some of the work you did with coach keegan to really make that switch yeah it's it's probably one of my um so as i said i've got a lot of good stories <laughs> maybe i'm just sounding sounded yeah sounded a bit cocky there but um yeah this one's really it's one of my proudest moments i guess it was i think yeah as i said the season of 2013 i had a lot of dental problems actually a lot of a lot of teeth issues which sounds funny they were, they were creating a lot of infections in my body i felt like i was run down all the time um i had actually had a stress fracture in my foot from an overuse injury it was a really really up and down sort of pre-season um and about a week or oh, about two weeks out from the cooling out of gold um kingy my coach rang me and said hey do you want to come over i've got a bit of an idea and i said yeah no worries i went around there and he said i think we should do the gold and i was like mate i've literally just got my moon boot off i don't know if this is a great idea and you had a stress fracture i had a stress fracture in the foot i um had that for about eight or ten weeks i tried to rush through that to get back to to doing the race um i was actually down at the brisbane lions running on their alter g um a couple of times a week seeing physios getting get, doing all the right things and um i was almost trying to push you know rush the process of being injured um and it got to the point where i was just like i can't do it and, and, and i was okay with it because i knew that i was either you know i was, was going to make it worse or it just you know i just couldn't wasn't going to be wasn't going to be able to do it so as i said about two weeks before the race kingy just said mate I, th- I reckon you should have a crack at it um and on to another good story I think I think uh, I'm pretty sure Kel might have been no she was down working at Jervis Bay at the time and I rang her and said shit like do you reckon like what do you reckon should I, what should I do and she said oh well, whatever you do you should you know I've, you've got my support around my brother who was in Thailand at the moment there I mean at the time and they're kind of the two people I just wanted to hear a yay or a nay and once I got a yay from both of them I said yeah let's let's have a crack at it ended up doing the race and, and winning and, and feeling amazing uh, while I was doing it. But then uh, it was literally a week after that, I went back to training to start preparing for the Kellogg series. And mate, my heart rate was just through the roof. I felt so tired. I remember a couple of the days there, I was sleeping just all day. I was just bedridden. And I was like, oh, I know this isn't me. Like I know I should be feeling way better than this. And that's when the doubts started creeping in. I was like, maybe it's my mindset. Maybe, maybe I am feeling okay, but it's my mind that's letting me down. And um, as I said, I probably wasn't as strong back then with that kind of stuff. I wasn't very, yeah, I guess very good at it. And it, it just came to the point where I, I went to the doctors a lot of times, um, went to Mark, my doctor with Kingy one afternoon. And, and they just said, look, there's no point trying to do this Ironman series. And, I was pretty gutted. I got on the plane the next day, flew home, and I, I guess I never really believed that I was going to not do it. I always thought I was going to do it. Um, and from then, mate, I, I went and saw a heap of different doctors, got a heap of different tests done and things like that, and and no one was able to kind of give me clear answers on it all. Um, and that's when I got in contact with Keegs, um, Keegan Smith. I got put in touch with him a few years earlier, Um with an ex an old manager of mine a really good friend now too and and i was keegs was working overseas at the time in france and would email a little bit and 
I was quite naive at the time. He sent me a lot of podcasts on diet and this and that and I was kind of almost too cool for it. I was like, I'm feeling good. I don't really need to sort of listen to this or do this. But we still talked and things like that. But it had been about a year since we spoke and I got in contact with him and I met him at a paleo cafe in Bondi. And from there, he put me put me on a detox that I did. And all I did was just eat like veggies for a week and with raw veggies and things like that, which was, which was tough because it was, it was something that was... I wasn't used to, but I had no option. Like I'd seen doctors, I'd done everything and I thought, man, well, I might as well give this a crack. And um, I was really lucky. Kel did it with me. So it made things a lot easier. I wasn't tempted to, I wasn't tempted really at the time to go and, you know, go to the, the local shops and get some, some naughty food or some junk food. I was just like, all right, well, this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to stick to it. And um, ended up creating a really good relationship with Keegs. And I guess that's, been the philosophy um that i really that really resonates with me is you know fueling your body and fueling it in the right way and uh, i just really believed in it it ended up feeling i think i had as i said i had about four or five months off training at the time um i eventually went back onto the went back to the sunshine coast started training that year i didn't do the goal that year i just focused all my energy and um and time i guess on the ironman series and end up winning so you went you sort of briefly mentioned it there that you went and saw a lot of doctors and specialists and was it chronic fatigue was thrown around or just yeah it was it was i read books um and i was almost self-diagnosing myself of chronic fatigue and and things like that and i kind of didn't really want to believe it but yeah as i said the day i sat down with kegs i was telling him a few of my symptoms and he was like yep this is that yep this is this yep we can do this yep we need to do that and i was like holy hell that this guy he knows his stuff why wasn't i listening to him years ago but um he was he had an answer to everything that i that i said and then you implemented this um, healthier eating style and obviously a lot of, like you mentioned, raw veggies and things like that. I'm sure after that that detox period, you were able to bring other things in and it completely shifted and put you back on track to become the athlete again. How how much of that sort of stuff do you still implement? Oh, massive. It's it's still huge for me. It's never since the, the conversation we had that day, I never had believed in food or anything like that before so um as i said i I came back that year i was eating a completely different way it was like a a 180 degree turn of how i ate how i thought you know that year i I saw the psychologist so it was pretty much a new a new me and i still implement all that stuff today and it's a real passion um and a hobby of mine to to not only help myself but help a lot of other people out there with not only with my story but just with just little changes that they can do with their diet um that that are huge i think it's awesome that you want to help others too because you're right it's so confusing and you had that confusion yourself probably as a an endurance athlete thinking you know lots of carbs and pastas and probably a lot of pizza and things like that and you're trying to get energy sources that aren't actually giving you the energy that you need so all of a sudden your body's going well hang on we we need a change and it was obviously worked well for you uh leading on to still implementing i assumed you were because uh we talked about the bone broth cafe at the start and i know some things like that but i'm really intrigued around this space too i love um the paleolithic style of i'm not a strict paleo i'm not a strict anything but i think eating clean uh, organic healthy foods is super important and I've got a, a life coach who's a functional medicine expert that I work with a lot and he's put me on some funky things and you know I eat a lot of liver and cod liver oil and different yeah, things yeah. like that have you got any uh, cheeky little things that I might not know oh, about? that's great mate. you sound like you're probably <laughs> better than me but yeah as I said Keegs when, when we first met him he was like yeah eat, eat some liver and things like that and Kel made that a few times for us and start making the bone broths and as i said my, my i thought my diet at the time was pretty good you know i was eating a lot of pastas a lot of carbs and um a lot of i guess processed foods that i thought that were okay for an athlete and um i guess keys made me realize that you know if you're going to be a ferrari don't go put some crappy petrol in it um go put the best of in it and i started just yeah i guess my the principles I we follow here in, in this house is just that organic veggies when you can or as much as you can and the grass-fed meats and changing those meats up quite a bit um 
I guess my go-to, my secret is is the bone broth, that collagen and gelatin and all the amino acids that that, that has, um, I find as an athlete is the best thing. It's nature's it's nature's vitamin pill that stuff um so i use a lot of that um i'm trying to think what else what's your uh your carbohydrate of choice to to keep the energy Carbs sources up. yeah it's it's something i've played what around the last couple of years and I'll have, I'll have a bit of rice every now and then um sweet potato and things like that so i try to limit their carbs that I have but in saying that some of those days when I really feel my body needs it and that's getting in tune with with what your body needs and I think that's that's the best advice I could probably give to someone get in tune with your body not one diet fits all Mm. Um, finding out what works for you and if I'm going to choose carbs, like something like that, some 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 rice or some sweet potato or th- something like that, I've found actually, and I like to ask this question because I played around with, um, you know, the switch as well, and I found that I was hitting a lot of flat spots, and mm. I was never a, much of a carb eater anyway with rice and pasta and things like that, but it was a lot of fruits, mm. and that's would be my sort of main carbohydrate source. So I completely cut that out and went high fat, and I had yeah. some really flat spots. I found a really good balance now, and my secret medicine for me is sweet potato. There you like, go. That it's, it's, a, it's the golden carb it's for a great me. food and I only have it like a couple of times a week and I'll know I'll try and uh, I'm not an athlete but I'll know when I'm going to do some endurance training and things like that and I'm going to say oh my body probably needs a little bit more from me over yeah. the next couple of days and so yeah, I yeah. put it in like that and it's funny how many people actually that have played around with these eating habits actually say how good sweet potato is for them mm, it's a it's an amazing food and um, yeah, as you said, when you when I know when I'm doing these big days or I've got a big day coming up, I'll, I won't load up on it, but I'll know that there's, there's we'll have something there and I just feel internally and externally so much better when I'm eating well and um, it's something I, I really believe in. What about uh, in your, is there has there been any other sort of major adversities in your journey so far that have created any big shifts in your life? That was probably the biggest one in 2013-14. Like, um, yeah, obviously getting sick, the way I thought, the people I hung out with, the way I believed in things, I guess the person I was. Um, you know, it's... I thought, I, you know, I look back on it now and not that I'm not proud of the person I was then, but I sometimes look at it and go, well, yeah, what was I thinking? What was I doing that for? And um, not that I'm a completely different person. I think I've always been the same same guy but yeah just some of the beliefs i had back then and the way i thought about things and i think that's that's probably been the biggest biggest thing for me mate over the 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 biggest adversity i've ever faced and um yeah like i look at scott and what he's been through um and that's just you know amazing so to be honest mate i've been really really lucky I think you mentioned the right word there about belief systems, your beliefs. And that's what, when we look back in our lives, and the important thing is for everyone to understand that our belief systems aren't rigid. And as we do learn more about the world and we grow and develop, we have to actually shift our belief systems to be the best version of ourselves. So it's awesome that you can reflect on that and have a little chuckle around, shit, what was I actually thinking? But, you know, you weren't exposed to these things. Although Keegan did uh, send you the podcast. So that's it, mate. That's it. Now, uh, what's happening outside of Ali Day's life, outside of being an athlete? You mentioned there about you love to educate people around healthy eating. And I know that you, I've heard a few whispers around Ali Day, the community member, but what what does that look like to you? Because I know that you like to give back to the young ones within your sport too. Yeah, I guess I've been really lucky with, um, as I said, the opportunities that I've been given to, to be the athlete I am today. So that in... I guess that means I'm able to go out to a lot of uh, surf life saving clubs and I spend a lot of time around, you know, I guess the community at our surf club and, and around Australia, even, you know, I've been lucky to, as I said, I was in Tahiti last week doing some stuff over there as well. So, um, yeah, I guess outside of, you know, me, the Ironman, it's, it's giving back by, you know, making those kids feel really comfortable and welcome of an afternoon at our club. I think that's a big, big one for me, um, creating a really good environment. And that's something I really like to pass on to other, 
other clubs like kids getting you know whether it just be after a session everyone high-fiving each other or in an organization just getting everyone to say hello to each other every day and asking how their day was and just getting kids to talk um so yeah yeah for me as i said i'm really lucky that i get to pass on some of the experiences i've had and um hopefully i can do a lot more of it it's something that i'm very passionate about and um i just love i hate seeing someone made feel crap about themselves and i want to make people feel good about themselves all the time create that good culture like yeah. you experienced at the Swannies. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> mate. Yeah, exactly. What about uh, – I don't really like to talk about this with athletes too much because I understand – I've been in high-performance sport for the last – well, for my whole life. <laughs> and I understand that when you're immersed in it as an athlete, that's all that exists and that's important to be the best athlete. But I feel like you're very in touch with your inner self and you know your values and your visions and you mentioned purpose before – what does what do you think? Do you have an inkling about what life might look like after retirement out of your sport? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it makes me smile. I guess it's um, not that it's going to be over soon, but yeah, I guess I don't want it to ever be over. You said before, you know, with with what you're doing at the moment, like I think I'll always be involved in sport because I love that the electricity and and being around athletes and and helping people so i think um yeah as i said i'd love to be for the future for me i'd love to just continue to help people i don't know what that looks like and what that job title or role where it will be what i'll be doing but um it's we're just about to actually start me my my partner kel um and a guy called Anthony and, and his partner Bridget were starting a gym at the back of West Burley there. Um, and I think that's going to be a, a pretty big launching pad for me to to get to in, in touch with other people. So to help to, to help help more people and I'm really excited about that. Um, and yeah, hopefully, mate, I, my body hangs in there and I can continue to, to race and race really well for like the next, you know, few years. Few years? Yeah, a few years. Well, <laughs> what are you, 20, 26, 27 now? next month. So I think I'd I think I'd give it up when um when the motivation's not there. Yeah, well said. Yeah. I think I think when when the alarm goes off at four thirty in the morning and I don't feel like going anymore, I think that's when I'll know and um there's still a lot more I want to do in this sport. Um there's a couple of big goals that I want to get get to and um i guess that comes back to my purpose and i guess you know the purpose being is is to be the best iron man i can be and then outside of that and that's being the best human i can be so um they both go really they go hand in hand with each other and yeah as i said um that's what i'm really striving for hearing you talk today i can tell that a deep core value of yours that's going to help you achieve both those aspects so to be the best Ironman and be the best human is relationships mm. and you obviously mentioned your partner Kel quite a bit you and Kel obviously have a very unique dynamic amazing relationship how important are those and you mentioned your brother once you had the yay from your brother and Kel you knew you knew things were clear because what I find with some people striving to be the best version of themselves that they they struggle to actually to connect and think that they have to do it all on their own and there's going to be better results if they can do it all on their own yeah it's it's so true yeah so true it's um and then i've only i've only really kind of just learned that over the last few years mate to open myself up and and be vulnerable and and ask for help rather than trying to do it all myself and and you know that comes back to that communication i have every day with you know with my coaches and with kel and just letting them know how i am feeling and what i'm going through and and i want them to give the same back to me so i can be there be there for them too so i am really lucky with the team of people that i have around me as an athlete and as a human being outside of that and um you know, as I said, Kel, she's in, in, insane what she does for me and, and how she makes me feel. And I guess I walk out of that door every day, you know, she fills me with a lot of courage and confidence. So um, having her here, having my mum and dad that have supported me from day dot, uh, my brother, my sister, and then 
just the the people on the outside, my friends, you know, the the, the people that work with me and see me every day. I've I've got a lot to thank them for. Not only did not to get me the results, but just making you making me feel good about myself and giving me the energy and giving me the confidence to then go out and take it um, into racing and then take it out into other communities and you know environments. That's what excites me hearing you talk about the gym that you're going to open and wanting to give back to communities because you understand what community has done for you, not just at for your sport, but you as a person and being that best version of yourself. So you'll take all that. You and Kel obviously have exactly the same core beliefs and values around that. So taking that into what you guys are stepping into is exciting. Mm, it's, 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 it is really cool, mate. It's, it's really exciting. Now, I'm going to link in, uh, we spoke about the stuff you did with the Swans earlier. I'm going to link that in so people, there's a few videos online to see you training with the boys. But one thing, did you do a... Uh, a reality TV show I did. of some sort? Yeah, I did. Yeah. I did one a couple of years ago in America. We did three weeks. It was called Deep Water. I didn't actually go on the first series because that was that was in Perth. That was when I broke my foot, so I had to miss it. That was that pretty crappy year, mate. I had to miss out on that. Um, so, yeah, I was lucky enough to go the year after. We went to, went to LA, Las Vegas. Um, we went to Sacramento and then we went and did a, a race at the last races in San Francisco. So yeah, it was, as I said, some pretty amazing experiences um, over there. I'll have to check that one out actually. I only just yeah, heard yeah. about that recently. So yeah, yeah, can we really, access it online? Yeah, yeah. Or? Like if you go on YouTube, I actually sent a couple of clips out to um, a friend the other day. I think there's eight episodes. They go for about 20, 20 25 minutes each. Um, yeah, look it up, Deep Water USA. For sure, I'll link two. that one up too. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good, really good show. Now, mate, we could uh, talk all day, but I know you're <laughs> probably ready to put on Rocky Four and then go out and smash this paddle that you've been speaking about. Of course, I am, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on repeat here. <laughs> and then I know that you're uh, coming home to some uh, raw treats because oh, as mate. I walked in, I smelt that chocolate. And Kel's cooking up. Some Hopefully, mate, it's it's gone you. hard so you can take some home. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll keep talking. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Ready. <laughs> all right, so I'm. What I ask all my guests this uh, this question because I want people that are listening to be able to take action in their lives. And so I want to know from you, what's your advice on what specific action people can take in their lives to be more impactful in their communities and in their own lives? Yeah, it's a, it's a big, it's a good question. It's a big question. I was actually hanging some clothes out in the line and before and I read the question to Kel, I'm like, what, what can I say? So I'll, I'll try and make the best of you know, how I'd, how I'd sort of think about it. Um, I think it starts, it almost starts with goals, like having a bit of a goal, getting clear on your purpose of, of who you are and, and where you want to go to. And I guess that's where the goals come into it. Um, for me, I'm really lucky because I'm in that community every day. So I'm at the surf club um, and I thought about, you know, how, how can the everyday Joe Blow go out there and, and be more more impactful, I guess, on the community and something I've always done and, and that's and I think it's it's so easy to do is just you know if you're at Coles or at Woolies or you're at the street down the street just saying hello to people and, and asking how they are and and I think that makes them feel good about themselves which then it's like that the you know it then transfers into their lives and they, they it, it has that bigger effect on everyone in the community so I think that's a really big thing for me, um, you know, portraying that, you know, that, that good positive vibes. Um, another one would be that just being grateful, that gratitude. Um, I've, I've never done it before, but I heard it's always good to start the day with a bit of journaling and writing down three things that you're grateful for. Um, and I know I've done a little bit of that with Kel over the years when we are having a bit of a, a shitty day. Um, we'll lie in bed at night and just say th- three things that we are grateful for and it, you know this the the switch is flicked and i mean i mean yeah it's and then you just go back to being um just feeling a bit silly about yourself so don't know if that made sense mate oh, but there, there's, some, there's some of the there's some of the things just that makes me feel good um you know having that genuine care for people um not just in my circles but out there in the in the universe i love it goals and visions are super important because how do people make decisions in their daily life if they don't know what they're making no decisions toward yeah, no yeah. direction so goals and visions are important 
gratitude is like my middle name. I love it. So yeah, I yeah. express it yeah, yeah, yeah. multiple times. And uh, when people try and ring me, if I don't answer, I ask them to tell me what they're most grateful for and I'll get back to them. And I love gratitude. I actually uh, interviewed a lady, Dr. Kerry Howes, on the podcast who is doing a lot of study around gratitude and gratitude in high-performance sport and how it correlates for, mm. for better results and things it's like so, that. It's so a scientific fact. It is. That, it, that, you know, doing that is you know in terms uh, you know it comes back so so that's great advice for for listeners to uh yeah, to use, straight yeah, away. yeah. now i do have uh the fast five questions i'm going to ask you shortly that i haven't actually told you about but nah, before nah, i that's do that's off the cuff yeah yeah i always give my uh guests something and we oh, mentioned mate, before you you've already you've already got the scotty ridden grateful tea but i'm giving you another uh, life oh, tea awesome, and this one mate. uh is actually one of our appreciate well, that my, mate my <laughs> pleasure it's uh, one of our limited edition ones also on top of that i'm giving you one of our floss bands and i'll teach you how to use it when yeah yeah yeah, yeah that's you're awesome an athlete and i know that they'll uh, come in handy for you oh that'll definitely get used here mate yeah so before uh before we dive into the fast five two-part question where can our listeners learn more about you so social media website etc and how can I and everyone listening help you on your journey? Yeah, I guess the first part is um, Kel's just recently made me a website. So I think it's alleyday.org. Um, so you can find that on Instagram. I think that's it's linked to my Instagram account. Um, you can find me on there. That's where I'm mostly I'm checking things daily. And um, I think it's a great tool for me because, you know, I can see what you're doing and I can see what Scotty's doing. I can see what my friends that you know are all around Australia and even you know overseas are doing so that's that's a really good connection point for people to to you know get a really good look into what I'm doing um my Facebook page I don't have much to do with that it's called we love Ali day and it's a bit embarrassing but there's there's some content that gets thrown up on there as well and um I guess you might see me hopefully you'll see me running around on the TV this year on Fox Sports for the Ironman series as well. So that's the first part. And the second part, um, I guess being on this podcast is is amazing for me. It's, you know, I love doing this kind of stuff because it means I get to share my story and hopefully it touches a couple of people and they can then go on and and use or they might pick up one thing that I've, that I've said today. So I guess if you can use something from today take it out in your everyday life i think that that would be the biggest thing and yeah cheer hard for me if you're watching fox sports and i guess really get behind um yeah go and chase what you you want to do and um yeah work hard for it brilliant we'll link up your uh, new website and your social media cool, platforms in here too so everyone can follow you just a bit of a credit to your instagram actually you guys do some really good quality yeah, geez, crisp that's kel pictures. mate that's not me <laughs> yeah, well done well done kel yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right now here's the fast five so whatever rolls off your tongue don't take right. too much time to think about <laughs> this right? just pump through them what's one habit you wish you could change overthinking what makes you feel absolutely pumped and exhilarated and energized? Oh, probably a good race, good training session, good movie, um, good connection with someone. Or recently, I was just surfing in Tahiti, and just that that adrenaline that I got from from uh, surfing some of those waves over there. Nice. Have you ever washed a dog? No, we're really lucky because our our Hungarian Visla, um, she doesn't she doesn't stink like that's a, a, i think that's a fact isn't it kel yeah she <laughs> she um so you don't really i've actually got in trouble when she was a puppy i um i you know tried to hose her down a bit and she's so scared of the hose now and and a little bit of me so no never i've never and really so you've never a had dog. a dog previous to that that you no watched? no okay. it's, a, it's a really good story I, I never had a dog growing up kel had heaps um and yeah we got this this dog and um yeah she's amazing and yeah it's it's funny because our house at the moment would it wouldn't be this i don't know what it would be like if she wasn't here she's not here today but um yeah when she's here it just it adds so much good yeah she's just a, a great a great dog and um yeah we love her so much she sounds beautiful but yeah you, you haven't washed a dog no 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 never <laughs> washed a dog what's the best piece of advice you've ever received there's no substitute for hard work and what are you most grateful for in your life right now? Uh, my relationships. Brilliant. Ali Day, you're a legend. You're a humble, genuine human soul with a bloody big ticker. <laughs> you're an inspirational role model to many humans, so not just in sport, not just in your communities, but around the globe. And, mate, I just want to say 
keep smashing your awesome journey. I oh, appreciate it, mate. And as I said uh, to all the listeners out there, thanks for listening. And, um, mate, I can't wait to do round two, hopefully, you know, in 12 months' time and we can catch up and see what's going on in our lives. And, you know, as I said, thanks so much and I wish you all the best too, mate. Thank you. Round two sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an absolute genuine legend. I hope you guys felt the humble energy that I experienced with him. He's a dude. He inspired me so much after this chat that I went and trained for the Mudlife OCR event and pushed myself harder than I had in any of these types of sessions because I had Ali on my mind and his resilient mindset to push hard and always be the best version of himself. After we finished recording, I ended up grabbing the treatment table out of the car and treating Ali's back so he could go and smash out that paddle that he was speaking about. It was a great experience I had with this legend and his partner, Kel. And yes, the raw treat was set and I can't credit Kel enough for her awesome skills with creating these treats. Check out the show notes for this episode to learn about everything we spoke about and tag Ali and I on social media to let us know what you thought. Since the recording of this episode, the gym Ali spoke about has actually opened and I just so happened to be back on the Gold Coast for some training with Nam Baldwin on the opening day of the new gym, so I went and checked it out. It's an amazing facility that will be the transitioning platform he envisaged after sport. If you like this episode, please jump onto your podcast app and give us a five-star review. This helps immensely for me to be able to continue delivering value to you. It doesn't matter what app you're using, whether it's Apple Podcasts, which is formerly known as iTunes Podcast, whether it's Podcast Addict or Stitcher or whatever it is. You guys subscribing and downloading each episode is what keeps this podcast alive. And also, please share with your friends, your family, your community, and everyone you believe will benefit from this podcast. Don't forget to give me your feedback on what you loved and what you want to hear more of, so what value I can help bring into your reality. Reach out to us on social media, so Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Life for Excellence. That's at L-I-F-E-F-O-R-X-L-N-S. And you can also find us at yourlifeofimpact.com. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.